Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit LifePointPB.com. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. Of course, we also put the scripture up here on the screen. I learn a whole lot better when I can see something and follow along. And I'm also, I like to touch things. Anyway, it helps me to be able to, to do all of that in the learning process. Ephesians chapter 4. We're in verse 25 of chapter 4. It's interesting as we come, because we've been couple weeks, there was the passage there, 22 to 24, talks about this transformation that takes place in our thinking, that we're changed in the spirit of our mind, that it's not outward change, a change of outward behavior. But what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and me is this, the, let me say it this way. Is it possible that the very life of out through me? Is that possible? You're not sure, are you? It is possible. Matter of fact, it's intended. The very life of Jesus Christ, His life, His thought, His wisdom, His love, His power be lived out in me and through me, and through you. Now, the, the million-dollar question then is, well, how? How does that happen? And if that's possible, if that's more than just possible, if it's intended, then how? What does that look like? The Holy Spirit's working in you and me. God the Holy Spirit residing in us because of faith in Jesus Christ, believing in who He is. The Scripture says that His Spirit bears witness with our spirit. He becomes a part of us. He indwells us. And He fills us. And He anoints us. And He baptizes us. He does all, all these different words that are used in Scripture. But He's doing this work. And by the way, I call it God the Holy Spirit. And I say it that way on purpose. Because sometimes I think we forget the Holy Spirit is God. Amen. And He's not an it. I heard someone recently referring to Him as He's not an it. He's a person. The person. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus, just like the Father with personality. He resides within us. So life, His person, His personality residing with, uh, within us, transforming the way we think, transforming how we feel about things, transforming us. Transformation does produce some things that we do physically on the outside. It changes our behavior in areas. It changes uh, what we do. It changes time. It changes what we engage in. But that process has to be from the inside out. And what the church, what religion has done for centuries is try to set up a model or a system where we change people from the outside in. And it doesn't work. And what happens is, more often than not, we create a system, and every group has their own system, and say, this is our system, this is our, this is our standard, these are our rules, these are things that we believe, and we think they're important, and now if you agree with that, let's all gather up together, 
because we, we share that in common. And now these other things, we may not necessarily agree on those or don't, we can't figure out how to do them, so we're not going to include those in our list. We're just, but we like this list. And the thing is, I could even probably go around this room and there'd be different lists in this room. Different things that we'd say, this is important, this is spiritual, this is godly, this isn't. The whole point of Ephesians, the first part of the book starts with who Jesus is and what he has done for us. The second part that we're in now, chapter 4 through 6, is the riches that we have in Christ, how that works through our life, what it does, how it changes and transforms us, and then how God uses us as the church to be this transformational agent in the world, to be part of what he is doing, to go out and to reach this world. And so as we begin to go through this list of things, I do not want you to immediately jump to outward behavior, although it affects outward behavior. I want you not to forget this crucial point that the work of the Holy Spirit begins on the inside and in what we believe, what we receive and believe, and it works its way out. And this is true in everything. I've used this example before. It's a very simple illustration. If I offered you a bottle of water and you were thirsty, would you take it and drink it? Yes. If you believed it had poison in it, would you drink it? No. Your belief changes your behavior. Always. In all of our lives, our belief changes our behavior. So there is a resulting change in behavior, but you don't start there. You start with the belief. That's what Paul's doing. Now he gets to verse 25 in chapter 4. Therefore, having put away... Now this put away is the same language, same word that's used in, in... Put away the old man or the old nature. So the same thing here. Put away falsehood. Why does he start here? Because, and he's tying it to verse 22. The language and all ties this to verse 22. He's saying that at the core, at the foundation of the old nature, the old man, the old way of living, one thing, it's at the core, it's lying. It's falsehood. Because Satan is the father of lies. Jesus told us this in John 8, 44. He said that Satan is the father of lies. He doesn't know how to do anything but lie and deceive. That's what he does. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is nothing but truth. Distinction here between the old man, the old nature, and the new nature. And the old man, the old nature, was characterized by lying and deceit. That's who it is. That's, by the way, who we were. You should not expect someone who still has the old nature to be truthful nature to be so it was not in our nature to be so to tell the truth wasn't there let me ask you how many of you have ever time with small children okay all right how many of you have ever this small child looks at you just as serious as they can and tells you something that you know blatantly is not true how many have ever experienced that okay how many of you had a class before they did that and taught them how to do it? <laughs> taught them how to lie. Anybody teach them? No, you didn't have to teach them. You didn't have to teach us. We were born that way. We were born liars. Now, some would say, well, I know people who aren't Christian, aren't Paul's or Jesus, and they're truthful. And there are those who have a certain moral code. And they are more honest, naturally, by their moral code. 
But the fact is, it doesn't change that still by nature, we're all born liars. We're born dishonest and deceitful. We're born wanting our own way. As a matter of fact, I've, I've thought about this over the last few weeks. Why do we lie? Sometimes you say, why do we lie? It would be easier to tell the truth. I believe we lie for two reasons. I believe there are two root things at work. Now, there may be more, but there are two as I've been just pondering and, and meditating on this. We lie often, most often, I think, because of either fear or greed. They motivate our lying. Fear of what we're going to lose or lose out on. Fear of what somebody's going to think. Fear of someone else's opinion. Fear of what I might miss out on. And so I lie because of that. Fear of the consequences of certain actions. Or for greed's sake. I lie because I want something. And I feel like the best way to get it is by lying, being deceitful, being dishonest. What the Apostle Paul is addressing here is he's getting to the core of what we were like before and what has fundamentally changed now. You have to believe that. You have to believe that if you are in Christ right now, you are no longer a liar by nature. That is not who you are. You are a truth teller by nature. That's who you are. You've got to believe that. You've got to receive it. I am, those clothes don't fit me anymore. That suit doesn't fit me. I'm not a liar. Now, I may be a believer who has a new nature who has, since he became a Christian, lied. Anybody fall in that category? Yeah. Yeah. But that does not mean I'm a liar. You say, well, that's exactly what... No, it doesn't. And this is what's hard to grapple with. It means now that I'm a new creation formed and birthed in truth who lied who believed a lie and conveyed a lie. But that's not who I am. You have to believe that. It's not who you are. Once I believe that, once I really wrestle with that, then it begins to affect how I respond, how I live. Notice what he says here. Put away falsehood. Put away lying. Put away deceit. Anything that's false, misleading. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. He doesn't just say put off. He's telling you what to put on. Here's how we're, what, this is how we're to practice this. It isn't just enough to believe the truth. It isn't just enough to believe that I have a new nature, that I am a new creation in Christ, that I am now a truth teller and not a liar. It's not enough just to believe that. Now I must also put something on. He says, what is it that you're putting on? Speaking truth with your neighbor. You need to practice this. Now, this is where the transition, the transformation takes place. Because it is a process often in our lives. Let me, let me illustrate. Because we can, be, we can be deceitful, if you will, unintentionally at times. Because it's, it's just a habit. Or we have learned certain social norms. Let me give you an illustration. Has anybody besides me in this room ever asked somebody how they're doing but have no desire at all for them to tell you? <laughs> Has anybody else ever done that? As a matter of fact, you, you'll watch me. I am much more careful now when I approach you with my greeting because it's a standard greeting. What do we do? How are you doing? Your obligatory answer is, I'm fine. Don't give me any more than that. I didn't want any more than that. All right? Then you actually start telling me how you're doing. I didn't want that. You're supposed to tell me I'm fine. This is how this works. 
And I go, that's great, I'm fine too, let's go on our merry way. If I ask you how you're doing, then I need to be honest enough to say, I really want to know. If you decide to tell me right now, I have time and attention and ability and energy to receive that and care about it. Otherwise, I'm being deceitful. And so, you say, well, I was just trying to be courteous. Well, be courteous in a truthful way. I have found myself now more than saying, how are you? I often will say, good to see you. Unless that's not truthful, then I had to do something else. But, <laughs> but most of the time, good to see you works. All right? I share my secrets with you in hopes that they will help you as well. <laughs> it's, imp it's important. It's important. Because I do believe there are times that what we do for one another is we do care about these things that you're just not going to share in a quick, casual exchange, a greeting. That there are times where we really do, where the Spirit will really say, ask them how they're doing. And they'll honestly say, I'm not doing well. And you'll say, can we talk about that for a minute? Can I pray with you about whatever that is? Can I just listen to it for a moment? But here's the truth of the matter. We can't do that all the time in every situation. It's just, it's not possible. So when I'm communicating with someone, I want to be truthful. Am I misleading them in any way? Am I telling a story? And most of it's true, but we embellish parts of it. It misleads, it causes them, or do I withhold, certain, I give them part of the truth, but I withhold some vital information which causes them to come to a certain conclusion. Folks, that's called deception. That's manipulation. I didn't give them enough of the facts to come. I'm trying to guide the conclusion that they come to. So I only give them part of the information. Put away falsehood. Put away deceit. You say, but Troy... I really feel good when I can control outcomes. That makes me feel good. For a moment it does. Let me be honest with you, because I know I, I, I'm the same way. I like to control outcomes. Wouldn't we all like to have a guarantee on everything in life? It's going to turn out this way. But here's the truth, if we receive it and believe it. We really don't like to be in control because anytime I'm in control and I manipulate something and think I get what I want, now the responsibility is squarely on me to keep doing it. So I have to keep being in control. I have to keep manipulating. I have to, it's not falsehood, it's just, it's just a white lie. I don't know where that term came from, but anyway, it's just a white lie. It's just a... It's just not all the information. It's just not all the truth is what we're saying. Half truth is all lie. This is important because, folks, this is the foundation for relationship and for communication. And the body of Christ is built on relationship and communication, first with our Savior and then with each other. And if there is not truthfulness... There is no communication. There is no relationship. You cannot build relationship on lies. That's why this is so vitally important. And he goes on, he says, I want you to practice this with one another. Speak truth to one another. And I'm going to give some application of that here in just a minute too before we go on. 
But for we are members one of another because we're all connected and what you do doesn't just impact you, it impacts others. And ultimately, even those outside of the body are impacted because if you and I develop the reputation of being liars, who does that reflect upon? It reflects upon the one we say we follow. You know what breaks my heart? Is to talk to people who would say, you know what, I'd never hire a Christian. I'd never do business with a Christian because everyone I've ever known is dishonest. Now maybe they're exaggerating. Maybe they had a bad experience. But all I know is that it's for me, for you, our goal, our desire is to walk in an honest, truthful way so that no one could ever point a finger at me and say, hey, you misled me. You deceived me. You caused me to believe something that wasn't true. This is, this is tough because we live in a culture where honesty is no longer expected. As a matter of fact, it is expected that everyone lies, and it's really not a big deal. I hear it. I, I can hear it in, when you hear commentators talk in, in news or cultural events. You hear it in conversation. With, everybody lies. That's the same. Everybody lies. That may be true. As a person without Christ, as a person who is an old, that old nature, yes, I was a liar. That's not who I am anymore. And now the Lord says, I want you to so represent me that it becomes known that this group of people who say they, they know me and they follow me and they represent me, they are truth tellers. They tell the truth. Now, when I say that, we need some practical stuff here, okay? And there's no rhyme or reason to these. These are just things that are on my heart. And we're going to talk about some, just some practical things to go along with this. Number one, sometimes we, in the name of speaking truth, ignore every other command of Jesus. Just because I am called to speak the truth doesn't mean that I no longer have to be kind or gracious or concerned or control my tongue. All of those other things are still part of Scripture. They're still commands for me. They're still, they're still active even though I want to speak and need to be truthful. And in a very practical sense, it simply means that when I'm sharing the truth, I want to do it in love. It talks about that here in Ephesians. I want to do it in love. And when you're gritting your teeth and you have an expression that would scare a ghost, okay, and you're telling somebody truth, when, that, when you look like that, you're probably not doing it in love. If you're angry while you're doing it, you're probably not doing it in love. If you've just got to get the last word in, you are probably not doing it in love. If you've got to have your say no matter what, you're probably not doing it in love. See... This is the challenge because sometimes we will take and pick a verse or pick a passage and say, I'm going to stand on that. I speak the truth. I just tell it like it is. Usually those words don't precede anything good. Okay? I just tell it like it is. You tell it as you perceive it to be. The question isn't truth as you and I see it. The question is truth as Jesus reveals it. That's the truth. And I've found with his truth, 
that it's balanced. <laughs> it's not out of balance. It's not a club that you beat people with. It's persuasive. It's caring. It doesn't have to... As a matter of fact, turn with me real quick. You know where this is, but you ought to read it. In my opinion, you ought to read through this section of Scripture probably at least once a month. You ought to just read it. Read it out of different translations. I love doing that because then I see things I hadn't seen before. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Do you want to know what love looks like? Here's, your, here's a great description. He says, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, verse 1, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. It reminds me of the old gong show. Remember that? <laughs> That's what you sound like. You know, that awful in, in modern translation. It's nails on the chalkboard. <laughs> there you go. See, she got that picture. And if I have prophetic powers, that sounds good to have prophetic powers, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, well, that would be important. And if I have all faith, faith is important, so that as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, now that seems impressive to me, and deliver up my body to be burned, I'm going to be a martyr. I'm willing to die for the cause. But have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. You could stop there and meditate for the rest of your life. Love is patient and kind. I have been neither most of my life. And as the Holy Spirit does this transforming work, I find myself becoming more patient and more kind because that's what love is. Truth is not separated from being patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not full of itself. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Oh, you messed up. Now I'm going to let you have it. Finally. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things. Love never ends. And he goes on from there. You can spend the rest of your life meditating on that one little section of Scripture. And allowing the Holy Spirit to take it deeper. So truth-telling doesn't negate 1 Corinthians 13. Do you understand? They marry. They blend. They go together. You say, well, what does that look like? The Holy Spirit's the only one who can teach you how to do that. And He will do that. I can't tell you how many times in my family where I have spoken things that probably needed to be said, but the manner in which I spoke them, the attitude that I had, the anger that I, that, that, that I was expressing negated the truth that I was speaking. The Holy Spirit's the one who reveals that. And a good wife. They both. They work together in that. They come along and they say, you know, I know what you're saying need to be said. But the way you communicated it. Well, it's the truth. Truth hurts. Again. Where do we come up with this? Truth can be at times like a scalpel. And there is a certain discomfort, uncomfort. But it's producing something far better. But the design, the intent was never to hurt. It was never to cause damage. Speak the truth in love. Well, what if somebody asked me a question? You know, 
And by the way, ladies, don't ask us that that outfit makes you look fat. Don't put us in that position, all right? Don't, don't do that. We're, we're, we're sitting there, it's like, I love you no matter what. I mean, what answer we're going, I don't care what you wear, I love you no matter what. But the reality is, <laughs> the reality is, in some of these things, as we're communicating with one another, is I'm stopping, I'm pausing. Sometimes even when someone asks me a question, and you think, finally, I get the opportunity to really tell them what I think. That's, that should be a pause button for you. To be able to stop and say, you know what? I appreciate, your, I appreciate your openness. I appreciate your willingness to have the honest communication. And I take that very seriously. I want to spend a little time talking to the Lord before I talk to you. Let's pray. I want to pray a little bit about that. Spend some time before you just blurt out whatever truth you think it is that needs to be shared. Is it ever right to lie? That is a conversation. Or is it right sometimes to withhold the truth? Be another way to say it. It's kind of the same result, but a different way to say it. Let me be honest with you about something, because I have looked at, I can find two examples, the clear examples in the Old Testament, where the truth was not told. One is in Exodus chapter 1, where you have the midwives, and Pharaoh says, I want you to put all the boy babies to death. When the women give birth, when the Israelite women give birth, I want you to kill these babies. That's how we're going to do population control. We're going to stop them from rising up against us. The Hebrew, it says that the Hebrew midwives feared the Lord. And so they didn't do what the king said or what Pharaoh said. And when Pharaoh called him to count and said, wait a second, the population is still increasing here. What about these boy babies you were supposed to be killing? And they said, sir, we're sorry, but these women are so vigorous. They're super women. They get those babies out and, and they're back out there making brick before we even know what happens. I mean, I'm adding a little bit to that, but that's what they said. They said, they're super women. They're so vigorous. They give birth before we ever get there, which was not true. And then it goes on and it says that they had, that the Lord gave them husbands and they had children of their own, these midwives. You say, so did God bless a lie? I cannot find in that passage where God either condoned or condemned their lie. There's another one where we have Rahab, the harlot, and the spies come to her. She hides them on the roof and covers them up. And when the soldiers come looking for her, hey, we're looking for them, she goes, I saw them, but they went out another way. They're, they're not here. But it clearly says of Rahab in that passage that she was full of faith. So the question then begs the question, are there times when it's right to lie? Can I be honest with you? I don't know. I can tell you this, that the consistent message of all of God's word, the whole of it, is that we are truth tellers, period. And that the only examples I see of lying, the two that I can see, someone was lying in the face of evil to protect the life of someone else. Reminds me somewhat of what many did during World War II to protect the life of Jews from the Nazis. 
As a matter of fact, if you read, and I have read quite a bit of Corrie ten Boone, she and her sister Betsy wrestled with this very question. Is it right to lie to the Germans in order to protect the Jews? And Betsy had a real hard time with it. She said, even though they're evil, and even though we're protecting life, our calling, if you will, is not to lie, is to be truth-tellers. Uh, Corey shared one example of something that happened, a real-life event. They were hiding some Jews in a hidden compartment under the dining room table. There was a rug over it, and the table sat there, and there was a crawl space under there, and there were some Jews who were being hidden there when the German soldiers break in, and they're searching, ransacking the house. They're going everywhere. They can't find them, but they're convinced that there are some Jews that are being hidden there, and they're, they're throwing the family around and shouting and screaming and, and saying, where are the Jews? Where are the Jews? So Betsy takes, and she points at the table, and she's, she starts laughing, hysterically and says they're under the table they're under the table well they thought she was mocking them and they hit her with a rifle butt injured her but then they left she told the truth they just didn't believe it so my simple answer to you there seems to be there may be a case where the holy spirit will guide you to not tell the truth to evil to protect the life of another Maybe. There seems to be some, and again, you can't find a clear, there was not a condemnation nor a blessing necessarily given with these two. You say, well, there, Rahab was included in the genealogy of Jesus. And I, yes, there are some good things that happened, but there's no condemnation or condoning that you see right there in the scripture of God saying, this was a good thing. I can say that for you and me, that's an extreme that probably most of us will never face. To have to speak a lie to save the life of someone else from evil. But if that situation arises in the extreme, then the Holy Spirit will give you direction as to what you should do. Aside from that, I can find no biblical example of lying being a part of God's plan for His people. We speak the truth, we speak it in love. This is a big deal, but why is it a big deal? Not just so we can be good moral people. We don't tell lies. We're truth tellers. It's not just so we can say we're better. Do you realize this isn't just a gathering for, for better people? You know, more moral people. That isn't why we're here. We speak the truth because it's who we are now in Christ and because God has a bigger purpose. And what is that purpose? The book of Ephesians tells us he's using us to put on display who he is. We tell the truth not so we can just be better people, more moral people. We speak the truth so that others will see and then they will ask, have you ever had this experience? I've had it a number of times. Someone gives you too much change or you get out of the store and you realize I didn't pay for that. They didn't charge me for that. Or they gave me something that didn't belong to me. So you go back into the store and you say, I'm sorry, you gave me too much change. Or I'm sorry, this is here, I have this in my bag, but you didn't charge me for it. And so I owe you for this. And have you had the person on the other side of the counter look at you like you had three heads? Yes. yes. That's good. That's what's supposed to happen. Because we are in a world where lying, and they're thinking, you didn't even really lie. You just got, you got blessed. Well... I want to get blessed knowingly, not unknowingly. By the way, that has happened at times where I've gone back and I've said, hey, you didn't charge me enough here, or you gave me too much. It's like, oh, it'll mess everything up. Just keep it, you know, kind of thing. 
I remember years ago, I, um, in my teenage years, one summer when school was out, I uh, had this, this prompting from a spirit, but not the holy one. Um, some, guys, some buddies of ours, we were riding around the schoolyard, and after baseball practice, had a baseball bat, and for some reason decided it'd be a cool thing to ride down through there just busting windows out, out of the school. So we did. I did. I don't know if they did or not. I'm not going to, I'm not going to incriminate my, my friends, but I know I did. And, um, and we went on, and nothing happened. Nobody found out. Nobody knew. I got away with it. So I thought. Years later, some five, six, seven years later, I'm spending time with the Lord, talking about what He wants to do with my life, and He clearly brings to mind this time where I'm breaking out windows in that school. And it's like, oh yeah, Lord, that was bad. And you know, I, please forgive me. And you know, I, I'm sorry. And I, 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 don't, I won't do that again. I haven't done it since, Lord. You know, and, and it was this strong prompting, you need to go tell the truth. Well, Lord, I just did. I told you the truth. All right? That should be enough, right? I mean, you're God overall. I mean, you're king of everything. You should be, you're the top dog. I mean, I shouldn't have to tell anybody else. No, you need to go tell them. But Lord, what if they want me to replace them? And it's like, well, then that's what you do. You work and you replace. You repay what you have stolen, what you have broken. I remember wrestling with the Lord over and over. This was early on in this beginning just to walk with the Lord. I remember wrestling with this, and so heavy, I couldn't sleep, I mean, just, just wrestling with it, and finally, I thought, oh Lord, I will do it, I'll do it, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll do it, I remember going back to the principal at that, of the school, who wasn't even the principal when I did the vandalism, but the principal of the school, and I went in and said, can I, have a, um, can I have a few minutes of your time, sure, and, and I'm an adult now, legally an adult, so I'm sure an attorney would tell me, don't do what you're about to do, but I did it anyway. Um, I went in and I said, you know, a number of years ago, I was running, riding to the school and I broke out these windows, baseball bat, just vandalized, and it was wrong. First of all, I want to acknowledge that it was wrong, and I am sorry for what I did, but I don't want to just say I'm sorry. I'm willing to make whatever restitution or to suffer whatever penalty that you think is appropriate for that. Well, first of all, they looked at me dumbfounded. Like, what in the world are you doing? And they asked me the question. See, here's where our witness really goes to another level. Because he looked at me and he asked me a question, which I would ask if I were in his shoes, why are you doing this? And I had to say, well, I really didn't want to. But I know Jesus Christ and he lives inside of me. And he reminded me of what I had done, and this prompting within me said, you must tell the truth and make that right. And so I told him. He sat there for the longest time, and he said, honestly, I don't know what to do with you or this. I don't know what to do with this. And I said, well, I don't either. I just brought it to you. I don't know what to do either. And he said, well, have you done it since? No, sir. Do you plan on doing it anymore? No, sir. I don't plan on doing it anymore. All right. And he said, well, 
I, I release you, forgive you, whatever. He said, it's already done. And, he's, and I said, well, what do I owe? He goes, man, you would me- we, I, that budget is so long gone. We, you would mess us up completely. We wouldn't know what to do with money if you gave it. He said, just go. <laughs> and I thought about what Jesus said, go and sin no more. <laughs> All right? I walked out of that office that day and literally felt like I was walking on air, like I was two feet off the ground. Burden lifted. Why? Because I wasn't made to lie. I was made for the truth. And the truth really does set you free. It really does. You say, Troy, what are we supposed to do with all this? I don't have a plan. I don't have a formula for you other than this. Listen to the Holy Spirit because he will guide you unto all truth. He will tell you. If you're speaking the truth in an unloving way, he will show you if you want to be shown. If you have things that you need to correct because you have lied, he will show you how to do that. The, the, the biggest issue is that you come and say, Lord, I believe that you have made me for the truth, not for lie. And I want to speak the truth. I want you to bow your heads with me. Do you believe this morning that you were made for the truth? That's who you are now. And I realize that we often have habits and patterns embedded in our life. Long time, and for, and for what may have seemed like very, very good reasons. And there's no condemnation. I don't believe Jesus is condemning you today. But he is revealing and saying, I made you for more. I made you for the truth. The truth really does set you free. I set you free. Would you receive today? Would you believe today that you were made for more? That you were made for the truth? Would you be willing to say, Lord, Holy Spirit, you're in me. You will guide me to all truth. And when my words are not truthful, you'll point that out. I'm open. I'm receiving. I, I want to hear. I want to see. And Lord, when you call, call me to speak truth, maybe into someone else's life that could be difficult to hear, then you're going to give me grace and kindness and mercy along with that. You're going to cause me to love not just declare information. But Lord, most of all, I want to be a light. I want to be a witness. I want people to ask me the reason of the hope that lies within me. I want to be known as a Christ follower, and because he's a Christ follower, he's honest. He's truthful. No manipulation. No falsehood. No deceit. I want to be like Nathaniel. Jesus said of him in this man, there's there's no guile. No guile. No deceit. So Lord, help us. Help me.
And as you're before the Lord right now, and maybe he reminds you of some things, and I would just encourage you, you bring them and say, Lord, I, no, I agree with you. That was not honest. That was untruthful. If more needs to be done, if people need to be gone to or restitution made, the Holy Spirit will guide you in that as well. I didn't share my story to say every situation is the same because it's not. I shared it for this one reason. The Holy Spirit is God in you. He's more than capable of leading you to the truth. Cooperate with him. Surrender to him. Lord, help your people. Help us. Help us put away all falsehood. Help me. That everything that we would speak and do would come from a place of truth. we have lied to others and you've pointed out today we need to make that right and God we're praying for your grace we're praying for your power your spirit to move and, and, and lead the way, prepare the way God I pray that you would help us when we go to someone and communicate truthfully and Lord maybe they don't receive it well cause us to still love Lord cause us to to humble ourselves even in that situation to recognize we have no right to demand anything we simply request we simply speak the truth Lord help us be a people of the truth reality Lord thank you Thank you for what you're doing in us and through us and for us. We present ourselves again today and say we are yours. Being changed, every moment being changed. Thank you, Lord.